Welcome to the Checkable Health Podcast, where we're helping everyday moms like you rethink how your healthcare begins at home. This podcast is for moms of school-aged children who are born in the 1900s and would buy an at-home strep test to check their child's sore throat symptoms from home. Hi, I'm your host, Patty Post. I'm founder and CEO of Checkable Health. I'm a mom of two teenage sons and a daughter who's a tween. I've been married to my husband, Andy, for 20 years. And I believe that we really should be empowered to make all healthcare decisions from home. This podcast was created to help equip you to make better health decisions for yourself and your family. Dr. Tara Scott, thank you so much for joining me on the Checkable Health Podcast. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're quite the celebrity on social media. I have to say, I'm very impressed with you being a physician as well as like you're an all-star marketer and business owner. I have a daughter who's a business major, and so she convinced me to get on TikTok, and now she's become my social media manager, and she's man helping me manage stuff. So I had to like look to the kids to help me how to do certain, hey, can you help me do this trend? How do I do it? So it's the kids that get me. (laughs) And are you seeing that your lives are doing really well on TikTok? Yeah, and they're so variable. Like this time of year, it's a holiday season. So I'll have, you know, some lives that I'll have hundreds of people on and thousands of people watch. And then I'll have some lives that it's not very many, you know, less than 100. But in general, most of the time, there's people who appreciate the information. It's I just kind of turn on the com- the camera and just answer whatever questions come in as many as I can and usually till my phone battery dies. So yeah, it's not really super structured, but it seems like it helps people. And that's kind of my goal is to maybe help people who can't find a provider to work with or have any kind of question that I could help them. I mean, obviously, because of my license, I can't give medical advice. If there's anything, any way I can help people, that's kind of my my purpose for being on there. You get so many questions, too. You'll sit there and like scroll through and you see those these questions come in, like, how does she even choose them? People are really in need of what you have, Dr. Scott. Yeah, Women. I try for all of them. But what, what ends up happening is if I if there's a question that comes in and it takes me two minutes to answer it, then there's uh-huh. that have come in and people keep repeating their question over and over because there's a delay. Yes. And so it logs up the feed and then I end up like trying to scroll through, okay, answer this, answer this. So, so yeah, I am actually, I'm, I'm surprised at how many people aren't getting the information they need. So, you know, that's why I thank you for doing these kind of podcasts. I know it takes a lot of time an effort to do this. It's your time. And that's what I think now that people are getting the information through social media, podcasts, where when I started this type of medicine 20 years ago, you couldn't get this kind of information. I remember I went to medical school and there's no internet. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So in medical school, you went to medical school and then you are OBGYN. So you had a residency and a fellowship um, as an OBGYN. Yeah. So I did general medicine year and then I did four years of OBGYN and then I practiced pretty much normal OBGYN for 17 years delivering babies and then overlapped. After the first seven years or so, I really saw a need for someone to learn more about menopause and even just hormone balance. A lot of it was spurred on my own infertility. I mean, I had endometriosis. I had irregular periods. And then when I tried to get pregnant, I couldn't get pregnant without drugs. And then once you get pregnant, there's like nothing for you. 
right? Okay, okay, you're not trying to get pregnant. So I was like 33 at the time, way too young to be menopausal. And then there's for me except for birth control pills, which obviously I didn't feel like I needed birth control pills because I'd never conceived. And I didn't really love the way I felt on that. So that really led me to start really studying about it and then trying to find an alternative option for that kind of thing. And so when you were talking that kind of thing of being conventional medicine versus practicing functional medicine. So at first, I don't even know that it was called functional medicine, honestly, because like I said, exactly. myself, this was like circa 2003. And medicine may have been functional medicine on the coast, but in Midwest, Ohio, you know, it was not even integrated. It wasn't even called integrative medicine back then. So it just became a hormone specialty. And then in 2006, okay. I became a certified menopause practitioner. So the North American Menopause Society is not integrative or functional, but they are kind of like the experts on menopause. So it really gave me kind of a foundation to know here's what traditionally is doing and, and the research. And I'm still an accredited member, you know, today and certify, keep my certification up, even though it's not really the, the approach that I do. But I want to have access to the research to make sure what I'm doing is evidence-based. You have with firm camps out there, people who you know, maybe dabble a little ago to a weekend course and hormones, and then they might be prescribing high doses or not really monitoring them correctly. And I've always been the type of person that had to like know everything and be the expert. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why I try to make sure that there's science and evidence behind what I do. Which your patients appreciate because there are so many, I think that's the hard part of social media and having access to all of this information is who can we trust? Because anyone can hang up their profile and say, I'm an expert at this. But I really, at Checkable, we really believe in those researchers, in the physicians, in the clinicians that live and read this and research it. And I think the, I really appreciate that you're not just doing groupthink. What you're doing is you're taking the, looking at your patients and then through your research, you practice, you have your own practice now. So tell us about what is this practice and how do you use, how do you specialize? Today, I specifically, selfishly, I wanted to talk about hormones. And I love the, what we have here, why diets fail? Because those two things, and as a woman, you talked about okay, you have your babies and then you're just kind of like coasting. Like, okay, well, what's the rest of my life? And then, oh, suddenly you're in menopause. But we have this whole season of life that we're experiencing symptoms and uh, you get blood work done and you're kind of like, well, what do I do with this blood work now? What's what's going on with me? I know I experience symptoms, but why? That's what I'm going to chat with you about. I feel like that's actually the age that I have a heart for because you know, menopause is a year without a period. And then you're in menopause. Okay. And, and there's a fair amount of research. And no one's going to tell you you're not in menopause. You either are okay. or you aren't. It's a clinical diagnosis. You might have a provider not well-versed on hormone therapy. And, and women are still being told not to take hormone therapy, which, you know, the North American Menopause Society says that between the ages of 50 and 60, there's more benefits for you to take hormone therapy than risk. Okay. Putting that aside, it's those people that were like me, but 33 to 54, 
that had a hormone issue that we're told there's nothing wrong with them. It's normal as you age. It's normal to put on weight. It's normal to have XYZ symptom. Even just yesterday, I had a patient come in who she's not even 40 yet. And she had already had like an endometrioblation or a procedure for her heavy periods. Mm -hmm. But she's still having such painful cycles that she literally has to like hold on to the counter. I'm like, that is not Um, normal. Who is telling you that it's normal to not leave your house because you're bleeding so heavy or to continue? The weight thing is makes I'm so sensitive about because I come from a family who is overweight and my genetics are such that I was pre-diabetic. And I know that those I know that people try. And if you're not hormonally balanced, no amount of caloric restriction and increased exercise is going to work. And these women are told, like, just lose weight. Even people with PCOS, just lose weight and you'll be fine. And that just bothers me. That's true. Because as a traditionally trained OBGYN, I can tell you, we are given zero education on how to manage hormone issues. We are told, we're taught, I can cut out a baby in an emergency section in a minute. I mean, I don't know if I still can. But you know what I mean? We can imagine you being able to do that. Obsessed. Very little menopause training. I actually do the lectures for the local residency on menopause, but we're talking about three or four a year. So that's not even enough. And so... As a traditionally trained OBGYN, you're taught how to get someone pregnant, how to prevent someone from being pregnant, how to manage a pregnancy, how to take out a uterus. That's it. And so these are the go-to that women are going to. Like what happens, you know, my periods are X, Y, Z. If it's a period issue, then maybe you'll get some attention. But even what about these people who can't sleep or have all of a sudden are depressed or have anxiety and what are they given? Antidepressant when they're really efficient and progesterone or they have another hormonal issue. And then they gain weight because they're put on an SSRI and that's one of the side effects and their libido is low because those are the that's side that. effects and they're not really deficient in serotonin per se. That's they're that. really deficient in their hormones. So okay. glad that now we have social media. I mean, it's a double-edged sword. I, I, I get yeah. some shit from some of the traditional, there's a few traditional OBGYNs on social media who really yeah. like size what I say. Ugh. you got to get thick skins but to the to reach the yeah. people you, I, i'm like okay just keep going this person is happy that you told them this information or whatever just do it right for that. so there's right. more you have it more accessible to you now than you do that when i was it's so mentally draining to dr scott as a female going through all of this because of the the images that we see out there in the media of and just, you know, as a woman, you compare yourself to others and even our peers. And it's we're all unique beings. And just because something works for one person doesn't necessarily mean it works for you. And then we start like shaming ourselves or why can't I like I'm dieting, I'm doing everything that I can. And then people kind of looked at you like skeptical, like, oh, sure, she binge eats or whatever it is. And, you know, it's it's mentally so draining and then to go I think I mean I literally created checkable because I hated going into the doctor for my kids when they had strep throat and so we're bringing an over-the-counter strep test through the FDA process of a clinical trial wow so you can buy it at a pharmacy I think it's the same thing when you when you go into your provider and you say I'm experiencing these symptoms and and I just need help like what's going on and then when you're sort of dismissed or you don't have any long-term plan 
it's like, well, that is, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. Like hair falling out, for example. Yeah, that's a huge one too. Yes. So for someone listening that hasn't, one, they should, they will follow you now after this because we'll put all those links up. But let's say you're experiencing these types of symptoms and, and I live in West Fargo now. What type of physician do I, is it first listen to your webinar to educate myself? Like, how do you go through this process? Like, what's the first step? Yeah, I do try to put a lot of free information out there, either with the YouTube channel, Tara Scott MD, any of my social media sites or the webinar. But basically, I usually recommend for people to ask their provider, whether it's your OBGYN, is what experience do you have about hormones? Do you okay. feel comfortable checking hormones? Because patients want to know, what should I tell my doctor to check? And even if you yeah. go in and it's doctor and they'll say, sure, I'll order that, they don't know how to interpret it. Right. And if you literally look at estradiol, for example, at any time in your cycle, if you don't know when to put it in the normal range, it's going to be normal. It's always going to come back normal. So people are told it's oh. normal because they don't know what range, when to draw the labs, when to do it. So I think people get frustrated with me because like, well, what can I tell my doctor? I'm like, well, the thing is, is like, it's if you came to me and said, can you please speak to me in Greek? I would yeah. love to. Hit. I love languages, but I don't know Greek. I mean, I know Spanish or Spanglish, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I understand if you spoke Spanish, but I don't know Greek. And so even if I'm super nice and I want to communicate with you, I just don't know Greek. So I'm not going to, even if you said, what are these Greek letters, you know, and helped me. So I think, you know, because now there's so much that people can do on their own, they still want to answer themselves. And so hard because, you know, I'm restricted to a medical license. I can't give medical advice, but he was not a patient and then somebody not in the state and that kind of thing. So I try to put enough out there that is like, for example, foods and lifestyle and stress management that you can do that can change your hormones, supplements, although those are usually an individual recommendation too. There's not for everyone, but I try to put some of that out there so that there are some options. And we do have the online course uh, at Hormone Guru, you know, doctrination. And there's even like, this is these are the different types of testing. And this is what each one shows. So it's hard. I try to also put out information on how and where to find a hormone doctor. So, you know, you could go mm. to org. That's the Institute of Functional Medicine. That's generally functional medicine that's more based on like family medicine, autoimmune, generally not hormone specialists. A, then okay. that's the anti-aging regenerative functional medicine. That's where I did my fellowship and I'm on senior faculty there. So I train, speak to doctors and train them. They have a provider directory, but like, again, anyone can join and pay a membership fee. So you have to look for member fellowship board certification. There's a little icon. Okay. So yeah. Someone all three, you can put in your zip code under directory and then say, I want to look for someone in hormone risk and then look, there's little icons by their name in the directory. So that's a place you can actually okay. go to test testing sites themselves, dutchtest.com and ZRT labs is the saliva test that I use the most. They have providers. Okay. So there's providers oh. who use tests and you could put in your zip code and location and look there. Obviously, if someone's ordering a Dutch chest, they know, they generally know how to interpret it. Mm-hmm. 
so many hurdles. Like interesting. Some it's such a such a specialized thing, even within the functional medicine world. Like not That's every fair. functional medicine person does hormones or understands hormones. Like if you ask about Lyme disease, if you ask me about Lyme disease, I'm not your person. You know, yeah. I know about it. I know a little bit about it. I know what it does to your cortisol. I'm not your person to treat it. Just because I'm functional doesn't mean, I mean, even like mold, I kind of dabble in that. My patient has it. I'm not the mold expert. I'm the hormone expert. So even within integrated and functional medicine, you got to look for somebody. And one of my colleagues was asking me, how many integrative GYNs do you think are in this country? And I started to think, and I'm like, I could think of maybe five. Wow, really? The ones that are teaching, the ones that have a profile. Not, I'm sure there's more than that. They just are, you know, on the radar. I was just trying to think of who's on social media, who has a product, who has a whatever, who teaches with me, who's actually yeah. in and has done similar training. So it's a super niche. I didn't realize that. So that is also another for patients getting the care they need. Right. It's hard to it's hard to find some because when you do look at a website of a functional medicine physician or practice, they sort of list everything. And you're like, wow, are you? Is that you? So can you tell us, I'd love to hear some of your stories of the women that you've helped. Like what comes to mind of someone that when they first came to you and then after working with you, what they experienced? Well, certainly women who have issues with their periods, painful periods. I mean, there's one subset that I love to help. And this is like teens with acne that have been to five dermatologists or teens with menstrual issues, you know, because generally an issue with estrogen detoxification. So if we run the dried urine test, we can find out and we can actually help them and prevent possibly, I mean, there's, I can't prove it, but prevent prevent fibroids. I mean, that was how I dealt with my own endometriosis is that approach. And I don't suffer with symptoms of that. And I haven't, you know, for at least 10 years because I was able to balance my hormones. That's not everyone's maybe results. So I love seeing the patients. I really love seeing people in their 40s because I think about, you know, that's when the weight starts packing on. That's when you yeah. stop sleeping. That's when you have brain fog and women are, you know, busy and working and they're balanced with work, parent, taking care of their parents, taking care of their kids, trying to be, you know, business owners, whatever, wives and husband, and, you know, whatever it is. That's it. You know, you tend to put on about three pounds a year over 40. If you think about that, then by the time you're menopausal, that's 30 pounds. And if you keep going and people keep telling you, oh, guess what? Exercise more and eat less. And you're restricting your calories. You're not getting results. So at some point they say, forget it. So a lot of those women either make too much estrogen or don't have enough progesterone or don't clear estrogen with their detoxification pathways. So that's super rewarding to be able to do. You know, a lot of women in perimenopause, some of them, it's just a matter of overhauling their diet and lifestyle. And believe it or not, I ate crap when I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. I was babies. I was eating convenience foods, processed foods. I always liked to exercise, but I really wasn't healthy. I didn't That's sleep it. a lot. And so I had to kind of overhaul my diet and, you know, prioritize sleep and stress management and everything. So those things people can do if you guide them on how to do that. But some people need to take progesterone and that prescription and it needs to be monitored and dosed appropriately to be able to help. And then once you get 
through menopause, some women need estrogen. Some don't, but some do. <laughs> the dosage matters. The way you monitor it matters. I mean, it's not like everybody should have a crazy high dose. I just was in Miami teaching a course last weekend with doctors. And the pharmacist is like, this doctor is giving everyone the same dose, X dose, X. And I was like, e, that's a high dose. And like, everybody's getting dose. So at least he's listening and he's trying to use bioidentical hormones, but he's not doing it the right way. Right. So it's hard. But I think, you know, I love even seeing even people in their 30s, getting them on the right path, and them learn about how their body processes hormones, how important stress is, making sure their guts are okay. And then I think they navigate the change, you know. I mean, I even look at, you know, even my friends or people I went through med school with. And for the most part, everyone's pretty healthy. But I'm really the one who's really done the deep. I had the worst hormones. But things I did, you know, probably less than in medical school. And, you know, still, I think, look, okay, look younger than I am. But yeah. So I think it's working on my on myself anyway and, and the patients that I yeah, but sometimes the interventions that we do are not that drastic, not that cost, not that drastic. Yes, the the problem is we can't control what the test costs. Dutch tests just increase their tests. You know, we can't control everyone. A lot of times we just use traditionally blood blood work that people can run through their insurance, but you have to know when to order, when to order, how to interpret it, and so a lot of the hormones I use for menopause or FDA approved bioidentical hormones that come in generic. My, like I pay, I pay no copay for my estrogen patch. You know, I do take a compounded progesterone. That's about 30 or 40, probably $40 a month, but it's not supposed to be crazy expensive. You mentioned three things that if your body isn't producing enough progesterone, if your body can't process it, those three things that you said. So what is it like once you're diagnosed, then then it's the treatment plan, right? And that's why it's very important to see someone that knows what they're doing. Right. How how can we ensure that it, that is right? Right. Let's take the teen with acne or the yeah. teen with periods, for example. I'm rarely giving them a prescription. They usually don't need a prescription. It's usually that they're not clearing estrogen, their estrogen detoxification. And then with the acne, a lot of times it can be estrogen dominance or it can be gut you know, gut bacteria. So they might need a prescription for that, an antibiotic, anti-interesting herbal microbiome. I mean, I've had, like I said, teens that have gone to five dermatologists and they haven't been able to clear it until we've done some of the being the stool testing and the hormone testing. That's so sad. Like yeah. that's I mean, as a teenager to have acne, is there anything worse? Like Yeah, it's diet, you know, because the teens what doing- they eat not very good. You know, so for those patients, I'm usually not prescribing anything. And certainly people in their 20s, once you get over 40, some a lot of women, you just don't make as much progesterone because your eggs are aging. Right. So it's more to need a prescription then. Not everybody does. Um, sometimes people respond to herbal supplements or there's even something called seed cycling, which is a food pattern of how to help regulate your cycle. So, you know, as I get older, I first probably prescribe less, you know, and that's, we, you know, evolving more that we're working more with the body and instead of trying to give someone something. But there are times when you do need to have a prescription and, and that's even like some people might need something like metformin, you know, okay. uh, 
sometimes people, we've been doing a lot of the semaglutide, which is for weight loss. And that, you know, that is a prescription, but there's these poor people who have worked so hard and are, you know, starving themselves and exercising and nothing's hormones have put on the weight, but fixing hormones just don't necessarily take it off. Right. Right. We are getting some of that for our patients and because it is working metabolically, it's getting their insulin down, it's getting their sugar down. And so that's why I normally wouldn't do like a weight loss drug, but this is a little bit different with your metabolism. So things really depends on the patient. A lot of it is, a lot of it is, you know, we have a health coach in our office. A lot of it could be just education and partnering. Maybe you shouldn't eat this. Food sensitivity is another cause of, you know, unexplained weight gain. And it can also derail your hormones as well. When you gain more weight, your fat produces more estrogen. So it's just a cycle. There's a lot of things. And, you know, in our environment, all the endocrine disruptors and all the toxins are messing with our hormones as well. So a lot of it could just be, you know, identifying the problem, working with a plan on how to combat it. It's not always a prescription, but often it could. It reminds me of a, a woman that she was constantly working with a personal trainer and like paying an immense amount of money to see the best of the best and had like food delivery programs and she was following it and she would get to her trainer and just not see the fat decrease, right? Like she was looking at her muscle mass and she wasn't losing weight and she just was like, I'm going to get skinny when I guess I'm an old grandma at 90. Like my mom got skinny. And we don't have to do that. So tell me about your practice. Like I, in North Dakota, do you have a practice that we can work with you remotely or are you only practicing in Ohio? Well, I do have a medical license in Florida and Montana, but we are restricted to whatever state we're licensed in. And the medical defines where you practice medicine as where the patient. So know there's some people that get around it and work remotely with patients because they're coaching. So there might be a different, there might be a different licensure for coaching, but as a medical doctor, I have to abide by that. So now what happens is patients actually come in to Ohio from, for the first visit and then we Um, do the run remotely. So I've had patients come from New Jersey, California, Las Vegas, you know, Texas, whatever. And they're just like, oh, once a year, if I just come in and have the appointment. So that worked for some people. I have a network. I did sell my practice last year to Forum Health. And we do have a network. We, I think we have 28 sites. So there might be another provider at one of the Forum Health sites that they could okay. work with. Or I might have some colleagues. I don't have colleagues in every state. One of my colleagues, created like a hormone club. So she's tried to get someone in every state. So it depends. Like I know people reach out to me all the time about it. And if I can help them, I do. If I don't know anyone near them, and I don't know anybody. I don't want to randomly recommend someone I don't know just from a dream. I kind of sometimes I'll look at the directory and send, well, this person's actually done the fellowship and got the board certification. So you could try this person, but I don't know. That's what I do. So work you know, remotely, that's why I try to provide, you know, just free content on the website, on the YouTube channel. We do have that online course. And we just recently have been partnering with a lab company, 
the lab distribution company to try to even get the lab to be included in the course, which is also oh, like, that's great. People can't get the Dutch test or they can't get whatever. So we're There's- like, well, we do that. But then the problem is then interpreting it, you know, yes. and going there. And yeah. then also, you know, because everything is so personalized, they might say, oh, you know, I did the Dutch test, but maybe they did it at the wrong time or maybe they did the right test for you. Maybe you needed saliva. Maybe you just needed. So it's hard because unless you take a detailed history, you don't know what type of test they need. So we do have, like I said, the online course and we're working with the um, capacity to be able to add the test on, you know, so for people to have and then a few steps closer to finding someone and you've already done the testing. So it just depends. I, mean, I, I wish there was a way to help everyone. Yeah. Well, of course you do. You have a heart for it. Obviously, you have dedicated your life to this. In watching your re- webinar, I really thought it was like really spoke to me when you showed the picture of when you got married. And then you had a picture of you and your husband now. And I thought it was so cute. You said he said that this is OK, but you really haven't aged since you've been married. And and he is a emergency physician and doesn't take as good of care. My husband doesn't either. So he didn't say that I could say that, but I will say it <laughs> doesn't take as good of care of himself as I do. And. Do you think that's directly related to everything that you've done as the investment in your own body? I think, you know, I guess, and I don't know if you, I don't remember what the latest version of the webinar was, but my brother passed away at 38, suddenly of a heart attack. Oh. And I, that happened, I mean, he had every risk factor. He was a diabetic, he was very high cholesterol. So Bro. I was so affected by that because I felt that was completely preventable. And so yeah. that was a turning point for me. And it was kind of coinciding. I was already starting to manage hormones, but I wasn't really functional medicine yet and into prevention. Sure. But, you know, knowing that his death was completely preventable and he was 38 years old and literally just for was sure. high check and died, was just really affected me. And so, and affected my family too, obviously, such that, you know, my dad's kind of super healthy. He's 83 and he's like obsessed about his blood sugar too. Same thing. So, so I mean, that's kind of what made me do the shift. And so it was a challenge kind of growing up with the two of the kids kind of subscribed to my point of view, one of them, his point of view, you know, and, you it's know, it. fix it and, you know, I'm fine and not really, but yeah. So yeah, it's definitely been a challenge and I've just kind of decided, you know, I do what I do for me. And yes, yeah, you can make fun of me for taking these supplements or going to bed on time and not drinking a lot of alcohol. It is, but that's what works for me. Mm -hmm. And how you feel great. And then you look great to prove it that it's working for you. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, you know, obviously it's not so much about the vanity of looking good, although as as a starting to be like, oh, you know, look at these the wrinkles. <laughs> well, more just, I feel like this is my ministry and my mission and yes, I want to be around patients and health patients. And so I have to be healthy. And, you know, even since the webinar, we've had like, our family was in an accident and that kind of changed things. And so there's lots of oh, things. Wow. Like, 
you never really know what you're never guaranteed to yeah. have help. No. Yeah. And being a mother, I think that you're the example for, I have a daughter too, and just you're an example to her of how, what is that body image? How are you taking care of your body? And they, they see that. And like you said, either they're going to adopt one style or another or choose their own path, but hopefully they adopt the healthier one. Yeah, 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 for sure. The last thing I, I wanted to ask you about was, and this in regards to the dieting, that's just right this time of year as moving into the new year, we're going to hear so many different, like pushed all of these different diets, like, well, if it's keto or if it's, you know, whatever, carnivore diet. And instead of being on this hamster wheel that we're on, what advice could you have for a woman that like knows that she wants to make a change in her health? And what's a good first step there? So pertaining to women in perimenopause and menopause, and that's really 40 up, even 35, I mean, everybody will respond differently to a diet and that we're finding a lot, a lot about that's your genetics of how you process fat, how you process sugar. Most women who are either estrogen dominant or menopause are carb sensitive. So okay. any low carb diets like a modified paleo, um, even keto is a good place to start if you love to eat you know, meat or if you mm -hmm. like that type of cuisine. Mm -hmm. They actually did a study based on, wasn't keto, wasn't involved. It was like Watchers, Adkins and Paleo. And the one that people were most successful was, was the one that was most likely mimicked their palate, right? So if mm. you know, like, I don't love meat, I eat it, Precise. but I love it. Any political reason not to, but I, if someone told me you could never eat meat again, I don't think I would have a problem. Mm -hmm. So in general, there's a lot of hormones in meat. Like if you think about chicken breasts, how much bigger they are today than they were. Yes, yeah. Be careful about the quality of your meat and whether there's hormones or in it. I think a lot of people eat too many carbs and not enough protein, whether it's, it's you know, and I don't think, and I think the standard American doesn't eat enough plants, really. Yeah. So I generally make sure I have like uh, even today for lunch, I was kind of pressed for time and I went to like a local market to get my daughter's creamer. So she's coming home from college and I got yeah. a piece of salmon, but I didn't just eat the salmon. I put it on lettuce and I have my radish that I have every day and my Brussels sprouts, shredded Brussels sprouts raw and the yeah. spirit. So I like put that on a bed of everything, like always put anything on a bed of lettuce rather than just having like okay. a salmon and, yeah. you know, I have protein on, on a salad every day for lunch. So whatever protein. And I, me, I generally, I can't eat gluten or dairy. I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, so I don't eat that. I try okay. to do grain free, but there's a lot of allergens, a lot of inflammatory things in gluten and dairy. Now, I'm not sugar free. I do sugar. I have a sweet tooth. I don't drink alcohol, maybe a, a couple drinks a month, maybe three, Is maybe there? four at least if it's holiday season. So I think just, you know, decreasing sugar, decreasing alcohol, eating more plants, being conscious of your carbs and your protein, you know, in general, those are things that generally work for my patient. And then we sit down and we figure out like, wow, this person wants to do keto. Okay, well, here's how you do keto. Don't make it all about bacon. Or this person's, yeah. and then all they're eating is the fake meat. Yes. Which is all, and it's all carbs and they're eating vegan, but they're not eating very many vegetables, you know? 
that doesn't work because then you have so much carbs. So you got to be careful. That. But most women, if you are really mindful of alcohol, sugar, really, you know, inflammatory foods, if and now it's not like eating three meals and juice. Now it's really going down to two meals. That's really it's seems so- like if I post what I eat, some people are like, you don't eat any breakfast. I mean, I do eat, drink something if I'm going to run. You know, I ran six miles this morning. Of course, I drank like a drink. I'm not going to run on an empty stomach, but right. if I, I don't, because all breakfast is gluten and dairy. So I don't then eat breakfast. I mean, sometimes I will, but I usually just eat an early lunch and then I eat an early dinner and then that's pretty much it. But fair. Yeah. If, so if going fair. into the holiday season, I mean, I'm really just figuring out what works for you and being consistent and preparing. Yes. That's the other thing is I prepare everything. I mean, on Sunday, I'm like, okay, what do I have enough of this? I like this local lettuce. Do I have enough? You know, my radishes, my Brussels sprouts, my avocado, and what protein am I putting in my salad? And then I, I actually do a meal service sun basket just for two meals a week, so it delivers, so that I cook it, and oh, then okay. you know, you pick. So for me, it takes out the shopping and meal planning for at least two meals. The rest, and I'm gonna have to cook. You know, my kids are coming home this week going to cook something Sunday night for them. And so I try planning is really the thing. And even when I go out of town, I was out of town this last weekend. The first thing I did when I landed Friday, Google Whole Foods. Oh, I can walk to Whole Foods. Yeah. Let me walk Whole Foods. Let me get yeah. my staples, my snacks, my stuff that I know that I can eat. I'm always prepared with something to eat because I can't do the gluten and dairy and I can't usually eat on the run. So for airports, I have to I usually pack a lunch when I can. Coming home, I can't pack something. So I kind of scope things out and make sure I have something. But I mean, planning. And once you do it, it's really not that difficult. It's just yeah. overwhelming at first. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's time management and it's not always being rushed to get to the next thing. It's being thoughtful about it intentional. The alcohol piece, I gave up alcohol over a year ago and I can't believe how that dramatically changed my life and just my overall way of thinking. Very helpful for me. Yeah, I think in women, your age, my age, whatever, is when they're not feeling well, they start to drink a little alcohol to calm themselves Mm -hmm. down. Right? They're out and then it turns into a drink every night while I'm cooking dinner or whatever. And it does help initially, but then it disrupts your sugar. Yes. And and I don't think people are drinking like they're getting addicting. I just think there's a hormonal balance (laughs) and it's calming down and it's making you feel somewhat better. So that's why people do that. Yes. Yeah, that's funny. It was exactly. And I sort of followed my mom's pattern because when she would cook and we like to cook. So I'd get home from work and I would cook and that's like my love language for my family. But then I would have a glass of wine. It would be probably more than a glass, but then I would get a headache and I don't even know why I was doing it. Like, why am I even, this is dumb. It just makes me not sleep and feel even worse. And then you end up eating things that you don't want to be eating too. It throws your inhibitions out a little bit, even a glass of wine. Yeah, the sleep is why I did find a wine called Bev, Drink Bev, where it's it's a it, it's a California company made by women. I love to support women businesses. It uh-huh. has zero added sugar. The sugar is okay. a lot of ups your sleep and everything. And it has like oh, it's okay. in the so you don't have to open a whole bottle. One 
four can four cans is actually more than a bottle. It's like a bottle and a third, but you could just open a can. Of course, I have that in my fridge and it's been untouched all these months. But if I wanted that's, to have some, that's probably what yeah. I would drink because yeah. it, I've worn a continuous glucose monitor. It doesn't spike my blood sugar and I can sleep at night as opposed to if I have regular wine. I mean, it doesn't taste as great as wine. Yeah. But I sometimes I try to present those kind of options for people who social thing for them and they don't want to give it up. Then we try to work around that issue. That's interesting that you were, are you diabetic that you were a glucose monitor? I No, I was pre-diabetic and, and my brother was a diabetic and that's why he passed away so, um, so young. So I have worn it intermittently. Like I haven't done it in a while just because it teaches you a lot about what certain foods do to you. So I thought I was eating, doing those daily harvest vegetables. So all vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. And they were my blood sugar. It was too many carbs for me. Some of them are, so we're checking out Brussels sprouts and chickpeas and beans. And it was all, I don't know if it was vegan. It was probably vegan because I don't do dairy. Yeah. So it was, probably, it was yeah. convenient for me just to take to work. Well, then it was totally my blood sugar. So I'm like, okay, I got to go back to having protein on my salad. So that's why I switched to the, usually I do chicken salad on beans or whatever. And for example, sweet potatoes, my blood sugar. But if I ate salmon with it and less sweet potato fries, then it didn't spike my blood sugar. So it really taught me about what was going on in my body. And it wasn't uh-huh. until I did that with a little bit of intermittent fasting that I got my 1C and my blood sugar down. That's so interesting. I've been wondering about um, just testing my own insulin. Yeah. Because I've been finding... And do you have to to do a continuous? Is that by prescription? Continuous glucose monitor is. Um, you don't have to be a diabetic for some insurances. Mine covered it just as like impaired glucose tolerance or prediabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so prescribe it for our patients a lot. We for a lot of patients we're checking metabolic labs, which is you know full thyroid panel and insulin and glucose and A one C. We're checking mm-hmm. metabolic hormones like leptin and adiponectin which are inflammatory hormones, leptin resistance, make you gain weight because you don't feel full and feel hungry. And all of your hormones affect your hunger, your metabolism, your glucose metabolism. So generally, we're doing a pretty thorough evaluation of our patients that are coming in with if they had the unexplained weight gain complaint. One thing with your practice and with others if patients are sensitive to a cash, a fee-for-service model versus insurance, how do you recommend, because you want to seek the care. I always think don't let dollar sign just impede you from living your best life. How do you work with that with your patients? That's been really difficult. And that is one of the things that I don't like about this industry. Because when I opened my practice, we were on insurance. If they're- Using that model, we had to spend less and less and less time with each patient. And there were times where I couldn't pay my rent. I couldn't pay myself because they just don't reimburse you. Like we're right. spending an hour with patients. They will not reimburse you for that much time. You know, right. the model is based on you spending 10 or 15 minutes with the patient and seeing you land 30, 40 patients a day. If I'm now seeing seven or eight patients a day, you can do the math and you can see that you're not going to make patients, you're not going to end make ends meet. So I right. slowly had off of insurance and find out other creative ways because I wouldn't compromise the kind of care we were given. So we have things like we 
discounted. We've negotiated lower lab fees for patients because I know for me, I have a high deductible. So yeah, if I get my thyroid drawn, it's going to be like $1,400 and the insurance won't pay for it. I have to meet my deductible. So we've negotiated like $150. So I just pay for yeah. my lab. I'll never meet my deductible unless, you know, we have a catastrophic thing. So we do have some of those things ready, but it is a problem. And so that's why I try to do social media. I've, I've yeah. done things like online boot camp challenges. And honestly, like we used to do more, but it's a lot of work in the evenings, you know? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. It's just been me that's kind of been resistant to me, you know, I have a partner who's a health coach who's kind of, who does my uh, courses with me. And, you know, we, we just did a thyroid one, which we included the thyroid labs. So, you know, obviously we have to pay the lab for the thyroid lab. So it does cost something. That's I think true. we only... Oh, five or six people sign up. And so it's still our time creating it, doing it, facilitating it. And I'm like, you know, I guess, you know, I, I'm happy to do it, but if people don't want to come or do it. So that's how I'm trying to figure out how can I help other people? Like, should, can, should I try to go back? And we did, we've done boot camps before that we've had 200 people in 14 states and six countries. We haven't done that for a while. Cool. It's a, it's a, day in a row that we go through, you know, hormone stuff and how to balance it. And we talk about detox and we talk about, you know, uh, food and we talk about a lot of stuff um, fast. And and so, but it's just a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it just isn't, it isn't time in my life right now where I have that issue. So I'm still trying to figure out how and doing things like this, like if I can help someone just by listening, you know, see something on YouTube or something, I'll just keep trying to figure out. But it is a major deterrent for a lot of people. I never really wanted to have like an elitist practice. But you know, behind the scenes, there's a reason why that, you know, we have obviously malpractice insurance and rent and all this stuff. And it's in this field because it's lucrative, right? I would have stayed delivering if I wanted to, if money I was in for, right? So this this is not the field to get into if you want to make But you're helping lots of people. Yeah, and that's my cool. It's not fortunate. I'm blessed that, you know, I can do what I want for a job. And so now, you know, now that's that is my goal. It's not about the bottom dollar. But there are some people that, you know, they have to pay off loans and they have to whenever pay we have two kids at college, one graduated. So we have got, you know, obviously expenses as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what you are putting out on social and the webinars that you are putting out there, I am very grateful. And I know that even the women that, that work at Checkable are big fans of yours. So thank you so much for gracing us with just all of your knowledge and just being present and digging into this because we need it in the world. And let's hope 10 years from now, this is all normalized and it won't be like it's so hard to find but so you i mean what you're doing and what people are doing are moving the needle it's not coming from the doctors it's coming from the patients and so they're pushing for it and so it is so much more widely available than it was even 10 years ago amazing good good so that's progress yes well we'll share everything um all the ways to get a hold of you and your URLs. And if there's anything that you would like to leave the audience with, it's all, all up to you there. 
I really just, you know, one of the main reasons I tell everybody there's three reasons I basically got on TikTok. One is to educate people. Two is to advocate. I wish it wasn't that you had to push, push, push for your own care and seek out what you need and advocate, whether it was it's to get the right testing or to get the right prescription or even to get the right dietary or whatever. You just have to be your own patient advocate. And the third reason is to embarrass my kids, which I don't know if I'm doing that or <laughs> literally like laughter is good medicine. So I like laugh at other. There's some really funny creators on there, like a lot of content. So, but yeah, it's hilarious. The so, thing is like, that's the biggest thing is like, if you think something's wrong, something might be wrong. And don't let people tell you there's nothing wrong. It's normal. Yeah. And that's the message is that, you know, seek it out. We're, we're blessed that we have internet now. We have social media. You could do your research. You know, don't yeah. put up symptoms. Find someone that, and you're right, you know, it's, you have to have that attitude that you want to have prevention and you want to invest in yourself. And not everybody has the means or not everybody wants to. Yeah, right. As long as there's the opportunity there. Thank you for providing it to us. Dr. Tara Scott, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. And we will be checking back in with you and promoting anything that you come out with in the future. So all the best in 2023. And thanks for all you do and all the hard work that goes into. I know it's hard, so I appreciate your time. You bet. Do you want to be a part of a group? with other moms of school-age kids that would buy an at-home strep test? Search more, no more. Join the Heroes Mom Facebook group today and be a part of a group that is non-judgmental and a little light. We actually have quite a bit of fun with entertainment and laughing about the things that we go through every day as moms. But there's also advice and recipes, and it's just a great community sponsored by Checkable Health. So find it today at Hero Moms on Facebook. If you liked this episode, I encourage you, please give us five stars. That helps us keep going. Subscribe. And thank you to the wonderful Checkable Health podcast team and Grow the Show who helped us edit this. Now with that, keep empowering yourself to make those clinical evidence-based healthcare decisions from home thrive and enjoy your best healthy life for yourself and for your family. I'm Patty Post signing off. Until next time.